Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now for most of my life, I've worked in the hospitality industry and even more specifically in restaurants. And in the past 15 years of my life, I've been a partner with the Original Joe's Franchise Group here in good old Edmonton, Alberta. And this has been such an incredible experience for me. Honestly, it's been a lifetime worth of learning and living that could have never been taught by any educational institution. And truthfully, it's provided me with the opportunities that I continue to deepen in my career as, as a leader and a coach and an entrepreneur. So if you're listening in and you're in the industry, you know that we have an incredible culture of people, stories, and experiences that don't often get shared with the world. And it's my hope that through this podcast, we can peel back some of the veil of our industry. We can peel back some of the layers of that onion, so to speak, so that the people we love that aren't necessarily a part of this industry can start to learn and see why we all love it so much. Now, this industry is all about people. It's about connection and it's about love. And if you don't love the word love, that's totally okay. Maybe interject the word care, but it truly is about connecting. Now, we have a saying in our organization, and it's that People make the world beautiful. And I've been so lucky to be a part of that for so many years. And now I have this incredible opportunity to share some of the amazing stories of our industry with the world, with all of you, our listeners. It's my hope that these stories will warm your heart. Uh, They might make you laugh. And they might even be stories that make you cringe or think a little or change the way you see things. It's my mission to help all of you see how incredible hospitality people are and how committed they are to taking care of each other and other people. So without any further delay, let's dive into this week's podcast. Okay, we are back. Episode 52. Can you believe it? Over uh, years worth of weekly episodes now on Discovering Hospitality. Anyway, this week we have Azriel Escobar on the podcast, as for short, as you'll hear me through say through the whole podcast. But um, I was super excited to have Az on. I don't get to work with Az nearly enough. And she is a beautiful, amazing human being. Um... I believe she's been working with us since around 2011, so a long time. And she's just become a kitchen manager in our original Joe's Beaumont location. And like I said, she's just incredible. So uh, I really hope you enjoy her story. Today, she, she totally shares her heart and she's definitely been on a journey and, um, it's definitely relatable. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Az. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's nice to see you. It's been a long time. Yes, definitely. (laughs) We don't get to see each other as much in like pandemic world life. I'm sitting right now doing this podcast with you in my little like home office that I had to make. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I don't even get to the office very much anymore. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy how removed from people I became. So Anyhow, we'll talk a little bit about that today because I think hospitality, we've been really lucky for that, at least in our industry. But I wanted to start back with you, if that's okay. Yeah. So, like, I'm wondering how you became interested in cooking and hospitality in the first place. Like, how did that become part of your life? Where did that enter your life story? Um, I think that as a Mexican, part of one of the huge things in Mexican families as I'm pretty sure is, you know, with the rest of the families in the world, food just plays like this huge part in like celebrations, holidays, reunions. And the Mexican gastronomy is so, uh, it's so full of flavors, so complex. So I have this vivid memory 
in my head of like all the holidays I spent with my mom's family, my dad's family. And I think I became more interested in actually making that my career when my mom is a doctor. So it came to a point when we were old enough to just, you know, kind of fend for ourselves, my brother and I. So when she started working holidays, I was, I think around like 11, 12, I started cooking for my family instead of, you know, just going out uh, to celebrate Christmas to my aunt's house or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I started cooking for them and I, it got to a point where I would just be like, this is my kitchen, no one's allowed. So everyone was like, okay, ever just leave her there she's okay she's fine and then when it came to choosing a career I was like there's nothing in the world I want to do the most aside from maybe being famous like that was my reasoning and my dad was like Jesus Uh, and yeah I was like I I want to be a chef and I think my dad was super disappointed because the family career is being a a lawyer right so all my cousins uh, from his side of the family, my aunts, they're like lawyers. So he's like, yes, you're going to be a great lawyer. And I'm like, surprise, I'm going to ask you to pay for this very expensive career that you don't agree with. So it took a little bit of, uh, you know, convincing on, on his part. But yeah, I just, I just decided that I loved it. Yeah. What do they think about it now? How do they feel about it now? Oh, they're proud of me now. They, they, I think my dad was like, be, oh, when I decided to study this, it was when all this celebrity chefs and shows, they were just starting to come up. So he thought it was just, she wants to do this because she saw, you know, the show and everybody was famous. But now he's like, oh, it's been 18 years. I think you actually like this. So, Yeah. Who is who's your uh, most favorite celebrity chef? Like, who were you like watching and stuff back then? I, I don't have, I, he, he, I think he was a celebrity. I really enjoy Anthony Bourdain. He oh, was yeah. so raw, so honest. He was the embodiment of what I think uh, represents a chef, right? He was, he was a cook and he was so humble. And he was so knowledgeable. And, you know, I, I think he was also very relatable. He was like, kitchen is not, you know, it's not a glamorous job. You're probably not going to end up having Michelin stars, but he at the same time was very honest with the fact that that's not really the point of being mm-hmm. a chef. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. What was his book called? uh kitchen confidential yeah I remember reading that and being like wow he's just so vulnerable and open (laughs) what happens in a restaurant and it was like incredible that was a real loss for the world actually yeah we lost him yeah I he had he had a show uh where he traveled the world near the end of his life and I loved it I remember I was watching it with Chris and we were like every time we watched an episode we were just like totally inspired yeah <laughs> like try yeah. something new or cook something new and I think that's awesome right when yeah. somebody can do yeah. that so yeah yeah. Sure. yeah that was a loss for sure so I'm assuming you went to school in Mexico yes. Yes. yeah and so what was that like for you what was your culinary school experience like it was lots of reading lots of books lots of information at a fast pace and it was you know it was stressful was it hard yeah it was hard uh the thing that I'm very grateful about my experience in that particular school was that the the chefs and the teachers I remember having you know after the class when everything's dirty he was like well you have half an hour to clean bye and he would just like leave us with the with the mess and you're like you're a kid you're like 18 19 you want to get out of there so it was like either we finish all together this and you know leave the kitchen spotless because we know we're gonna get in trouble if we don't or we just 
don't get out of here on time. So they had, especially uh, I remember uh, one, one chef, his name is Antonio. He had this very harsh way to humble us. But at the end of the day, I, I think I'm grateful because that gave me, that kind of made me aware that, okay, this is not an easy job and I'm not gonna get to work and just put like microgreens on a plate. I'm gonna actually have to bust it to make it in this world. So yeah, it was cool. I, I absolutely enjoyed it for sure. Maybe that teacher was secretly teaching you a lesson about teamwork. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have the slackers and you end up presenting them and you have your partners and they end up being your best friends and you end up asking them for recipes 18 years, 18 years later. So yeah, it's, it's how it works. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what, what is it for you? What do you love to cook? What's Az's signature dish or the thing that makes I, your heart happy? I love desserts. And I know this is, this is such a common question. I mean, such a common answer. It's just, you can make a dessert out of pretty much everything, right? And the sweetness is comforting. And yeah, there's the same, you always have space for dessert after a meal because dessert doesn't go to the stomach, it goes to the heart. And that's 100% true. It, it just reaches literally the, the sweet spot. And yeah. Also, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. I think I'm an, I'm an expert at hiding the vegetables in food. <laughs> That's because yes. you have a little girl. <laughs> yeah, because I got tired of one week, Aria absolutely loving carrots. And then the next week, she she can't even see them in her place. So now it's like, I don't like spinach. And I'm like, well, guess what? Those green brownies you had the other day, you're welcome for the iron. So yeah. I'm, I think I'm oh, you should just start writing her like yearly letters of all the vegetables you've got. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> She probably wouldn't even eat them if she knew. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, no, for yeah. sure. It would totally yeah. change your perception. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what mom's got to do though. You know, yeah. that's, that's the role for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So let's, okay. So you, you decide you're going to be a chef, you go to school, you do this like crazy training. What brings you to Canada? How does like, how does that become part of your story? So, uh, I've always been super restless. I moved out of my house at 16 for no other reason that I just wanted to be independent, semi-independent, because when I run into financial financial issues, I would always be like, mom, dad, uh, and they are, I'm so grateful for them. They, they have put up with so many of my issues, but anyway, uh, I've always been restless after college I was like okay so what do I want to do now do I want to find a job here in Mexico City which is a city that I already know or I can just go anywhere so I got an internship in Memphis I did one year and then after after the year I went back home to Mexico and I thought I'm gonna apply for a work visa in Australia or in Canada and basically Whoever replies, that's that's where I go next, right? So they replied from Canada first, and that was November November 2011 when I moved to Canada. And yeah, I, I've been here since then. I was only planning to stay here for a year. And I was like, okay, then off I go somewhere else. Yeah, life is what that happens when you're making plans, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me about, okay, I want to back up because I didn't know you went to Memphis. Tell me about Memphis. Okay. I, I have to tell you, I love Memphis. Like yeah. one of my most favorite cities in the U S that I probably have ever visited. What did you, where'd you work there? What were you doing? I was working at the Peabody Memphis, okay, uh, which is a huge hotel and a very old hotel in downtown. I was worried. I worked first in banquet service they they didn't know where to put me it was a very new recent program so they kind of had to like have me answering the phones uh putting in bills so weird so not my 
my so not what I had studied so <laughs> at some point I think they realized I wasn't cut off to do that so they put they put me in back in banquet setup and it was amazing the it was like walking moving tables arranging you know cakes trays it was it was chaos but wow. yeah it, it was it was hard physical work and I I, I enjoy it and the city yeah, it's it's great. This is very vivid, especially in the summer, right? All those festivals, Beale Street. Yeah, it's fun. Fun time. Yeah. yeah. It was Beale Street that did it for me for sure. It was just yeah. like you were transported into another world. It felt yeah. like it was crazy. Yeah. And I remember, I remember I was only there uh, two nights, maybe three nights, not very long anyway. And I remember I went, um, well, I didn't go to Beale Street the first night and I went on the second night and I was like, oh my God, I only have like one more night. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you just can't even see it all. Right. Like you just kind of yeah. wander and there's just so much to see and do. And like, yeah, crazy people just like playing the harmonica on the street and like I know. Hands everywhere. And it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I'm a, and I'm a big music fan, so that's probably why it oh, got my heart too. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, and backing up to the desserts, uh, my husband Chris, he's with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dessert is in the heart for sure. <laughs> it's like his thing too. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, obviously, moving to a whole new country, like you had kind of been in the U.S. a little bit, but then came up to Canada. There could be some some challenges with that right what was that like for you and what was that experience like and what kind of challenges did you face in your life I think geographically because I'm I'm I get lost very easily so being able to distinguish which street I was or which way was I going that that was a challenge especially and People are probably not going to agree with me or find this shocking, but the accent, the English accent from an American person to a Canadian person is different. So I was coming from a year from people, from hearing people talking, people from the south of the States and then coming to Canada. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? I don't understand. Just tell me which bus to take. I was so lost uh it is drastic from south u.s to canada that's a yes, drastic yeah, yeah. No, accent change yeah. <laughs> it's not even the same english in some way no no yeah 100 yeah it's totally different and they use yeah. different words so yeah I, I was lost for the first like maybe three months of my arrival here and then there was winter so that was brutal. I had heard, you know, horror stories about Canadian winters. And then I realized, no, they, they are all true. Like how many times <laughs> did I think in Mexico, okay, I need to start my car so it's warm when I go. Like it's something that I had never experienced. And I remember walking from the restaurant to my uh, to the place that I was staying at and it was like maybe two three blocks and my eyelashes were frozen and I'm like what is this why am I leaving why am I choosing to live in a place where my face hurts but you know yeah and it's it's still a challenge I cannot stand cold but I cannot think of myself moving back anywhere else because I love it here so yeah. Well, as I was born and raised here and every winter, I think the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what am I doing? Yes. Yeah. Oh man. It's just, and I, so I'm like, I'm, I will say I'm kind of like the lizard girl. Like I'm always cold. So yeah. put me in a warm climate and I'm like so happy, you know, like I don't, <laughs> so here it's like, oh man. And winter comes and I'm, I'm just done. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm hibernating for sure. Yeah. So with all of that, you know, how do you feel, how do you feel about living here now? What's the experience like for you now that you're settled in? I love it. This is, this is home now, you know, not only because Aria was born here, but because I, I've just gotten so used to it and so attached to it. The way of living and, you know, Canadian people is just, I, I think this is where I was supposed to live 
like it truly feels that way so yeah even though i could do without the winters i yeah i love it yeah it's yeah. funny um <clears throat> i would say there's something endearing especially about edmonton um people are really nice here generally you know there's been other and i'm not going to name other cities because i don't want other people to get offended but there's been oh other but i know which cities you mean yeah <laughs> And it's just not as friendly, right, yes. in Canada. And um, I don't know, there's something special about Edmontonians. And they have, like, a nice a nice heart. And they're generally really welcoming. And I, I really like that. And, um, you know, even, even for me, even being born, like, and raised here, I still had to create a life for myself here when I moved out of my home. And, like, my parents home, right, and all that kind of stuff. And I felt like... Yeah, the the longer I stayed, the longer I was like, oh, it's going to be really hard to leave here one day because of the winter, but I just never did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here I am. I'm still here, right? You know, so it's very interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I heard a rumor. Oh. <laughs> you are an author. I am, yes. What is that about? Tell me about that journey. That's so cool. Uh, so ever since... I can recall. I've always loved writing stories. Actually, my mom has this binder back home and it's like all the stories I wrote when I was like eight, ten, you know, uh, it's it's a pretty big binder. And I wish I still had that creativity. Uh, but again, a child's mind is just like it's it's endless. Uh, so I think I started with with my first book, I intended it to be a book of uh, like a memoir. And then it got way too close to comfort for me. So I was like, okay, I, obviously this is not working for me. What about if I write from the perspective of a guy who lost something and now he's very angry. And I remember I was about to go to Europe to visit a friend and then just like, uh, backpacking and I took all my writings and then at the end of the trip which was like a month I came back and I had so so many writings and so many ideas and so many notes I realized okay I, I can't do this right now I need to know what happened before this guy got to the point where he's right now and I did I did a prequel and then I I got it got published and when the first shutdown happened, I just started reading and reading the book and I realized this, this isn't, I think it was heavily influenced by the trend back then of like teen romance and using a lot of metaphors. And I think that was a constant fight between my editor and me. And like I said, when the first shutdown happened, I, I probably had like a small mental breakdown and I parted ways with my publisher. And now I am in the process of re-editing the whole new book. So, well, the, the first book, yeah. Yeah. What is your book called? It's called Senda, which means path. Oh, cool, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. And so can you just like buy it on Amazon? Can I buy it and read it? Uh, because I broke up with my editor and we parted ways amicably uh it's it's not in amazon anymore yeah you you might be able to find it i don't know i i i haven't i haven't checked and i'm pretty sure that all the copies of that first version i'm just gonna maybe burn one day <laughs> yeah yeah a new path a new path yes a new path exactly yeah <laughs> that's super cool so okay so you're writing b2 like of the same yeah book. exactly yeah okay all right and so how far into it are you I think I'm a little bit over half and it's not you know it's not major changes I wanted to keep the the structure and the main plots of the of the characters but it's mostly about how the story is told right I don't want to hear how his eyes were like sky blue like that to me is so boring right so I want to I want to see my characters I want to see see them when I am reading them so right yeah. yeah so what what kind of books do you like to read what kind of books have you inspired you in your life I really like uh George R.R. R. Martin 
uh, the the guy who basically uh, wrote Game of Thrones. Uh, right. The saga is orig originally called uh, Song of Ice and Fire, and not only it's incredibly complex and long of a story, it also taught me how to stop using so many so many metaphors. And it's interesting because sometimes the analogy is so powerful, but if you use yeah. too many, then you totally lose, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 You lose the impact of it. Yeah. Well, I think that's so cool. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for you to get it done. You're going to have to share it with me so I can read it. Yes. I would love yes. to read it. When it's yeah. done. <laughs> I love reading. I'm like, uh, you have books all around me. So nice. I think that that's really cool. And yeah, something to be really proud of. Um, I'm just curious, like, how you even decided to write the book, though? Like, how did that even start for you? Like, where were you like, I'm going to write a book? <laughs> were you just, is that just what happened? And you're just yeah, like, no, like, like I said, I was like, I was like 20. And I was trying to read this memoir book. And at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm 20. How many memoirs, you know, relevant for do I have? I, it just got too close too personal too quick and I was like what if I just was someone else you know mm -hmm. and I think there's something so wonderful about creating a person out of nowhere and then just creating this world that they live in and this is your this, this are your words this is this is your world right so just being able to put that in writing and getting so in, so invested in these characters, it's just, it's, it's magical. Um, yeah. I don't remember who said it, but a saying goes, um, a man who doesn't read only lives one life while a man who reads books lives a thousand. And I think that's relatable also as a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, because you're actually like creating these worlds all around you. Yeah. Would you consider going back to the memoir as you get older? Or did I don't it just feel so. vulnerable? No, yeah. I think I would rather just keeping it fictional. Yeah. Yeah. It still can be your stories too, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Which is yeah. kind of cool. And then you can like, you don't have to feel bad about changing the trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Because right? yeah. it it is it's it's a character, right? In your yeah. book, which is super cool. Yeah, I love it. I think that that's so awesome. That's so cool. Um, do you think Aria will write? She does actually. Uh, she she's very good writing stories too. I remember this one time. I came. It, this was like two months ago. So I came home after like a 10, 11 hour shift and I was too lazy to cook myself some food. So I opened the freezer and I saw chocolate and I'm like very aware this is not my chocolate because I did not buy that chocolate. So I ate the chocolate. It was Aria's chocolate. She confronted me the next day. She's like, hey, what happened to the chocolate? And I'm like, I ate it. And she's like, oh, okay, no worries. So fast forward to like a month ago, she made this whole presentation about a book she wrote called The Chocolate Fountain Thief. <laughs> So the main like villain was Sneaky Mommy. And I was just, I, honestly, I was impressed. I was like, okay, you like, got I can't me. Even be, I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. Yeah, like <laughs> this level of pettiness. Mm, okay. Yeah. Man, aren't kids amazing, hey? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just like, yeah. I just love watching my nephews grow up. It's just like every day is something new. It's so funny. And your daughter is older, right? She's like eight or nine now? She, yeah, she's turning eight in a month. So, oh my goodness, she's gonna be into her teenage years soon. <laughs> she already is. I mean, she, she doesn't have the age, but she certainly has the attitude. So, yeah, yeah. like she's preparing <laughs> me, preparing me for sure. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. They got to soften the blow for us, yeah. right? <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about OJ's original Joe's and I want to talk a little bit about Beaumont um so yeah. you are the kitchen manager in that store right now yes. um and uh we've been waiting for you to be a kitchen manager for a long time <laughs> in the company we've been quietly sitting back and waiting <laughs> so we're glad that it was time for you um, yes. How's that experience going for you? How are you liking leading a team and being a part of a restaurant on that level? And, and what's that like for you right now? 
I think, and this is gonna sound incredible, but I think I been the kitchen manager for five months, but it finally dawned on me yesterday. And I think I was half asleep, maybe, I don't know, but suddenly I kind of like opened my eyes, I was in bed and I realized I'm the kitchen manager. This is my kitchen. Like if I have, this is my responsibility. And it's not like I don't, I didn't know that I had this responsibility. It finally, it finally sank that, whoa, I am a kitchen manager. That's incredible. I didn't know I could do that, right? I just, I saw myself as a kitchen manager, but maybe in, I don't know, five years from now. So to be able to say, now I have, this is my team, right? These are my guys and this is my kitchen. It's, yeah, it finally hit me yesterday. And it was, it was humbling, but it was also like a little bit of more of the anxiety that I usually have on the regular basis. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible journey for sure. What's your vision? <clears throat> what are you going to do with it? I just, obviously, I, I want to be the best. I want to have the best food cost, the best labor. I want to have the best cooks. And not only I want to have the best cooks, I want them to be happy, right? I was telling one of my guys, I cannot imagine the day when you guys come into work and hate it because you guys are miserable here. Like, that's, that's my nightmare, right? Not having a, a high food cost or a bad labor, but the fact that the staff comes in and they hate it. That's, I, that would break my heart. So I just, yeah. I want everyone to be happy and to feel like they are learning and that they are growing. There's nothing worse, nothing worse for someone's spirit than to feel like they are, you know, in a, in a rut and it's just like cycle and you're not growing you're not learning you're not completely miserable but you know you can do better you know yeah. so yeah yeah nothing worse Why? than being a stagnant person 100 agree yeah. <laughs> anytime i get stagnant in my life i'm like what's wrong with me oh yeah right i'm not <laughs> and once you realize that you're so happy right because you kind of like bounce out and figure it out yeah. Why is happiness so important to you for your team? And I'm assuming for yourself too, yeah. if you're for it for them. Where did you learn that? And why is it, why is it a thing? I think when I speak of happiness, I, and maybe I shouldn't have used that word. I feel like happiness and sad and sadness are two extremes, right? So for me, much of the meaning of happiness remains within the middle and within feeling content with your life and feeling that what you're doing is enough and feeling like you're still moving towards. For me, it's important that my team is happy or that at least they're feeling enough and they're feeling validated and they feel like they're learning because for a long time, I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And when I first experienced that a few years ago I was like okay you know what I just I can't imagine going back to the spot I was before and how miserable I was it's just you don't realize how how deep in the hole you are until you finally are able to like take a peek up and, like mm -hmm. take a look at what your life used to be so I want them to feel enough and strong and I want them to feel part of an elite team because that's that's what I want. So yeah, I want to like extend that to them. It's interesting because in life it's like, I don't know, it's so hard to see around our own corners. Hey, you know, like when like when I have a blind spot, um, it takes me a while to figure it out, right? As I'm sure you know for yourself. And yeah. And so it's, it's always challenging when you have a team and you're trying to help your team <laughs> with their blind spots, but this yeah. idea of like, and you know, like you're kind of like saying it's somewhere in between, like it's maybe it's not total like happiness, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't not venture to say it's happiness if people are in there and they're smiling and laughing and having fun. Yeah. Those are valuable minutes <clears throat> for them. Right. Yeah. And I think we don't see around 
this is my premise and you can tell me what you think because I've been thinking about this lately, but I think we don't see around our blind spots when we're in a shitty place, like when we're in that hole. But then I think we can start to see around our blind spots when we are happy and when we are like open and when we are, you know, with people who, who we want to share with and things like that. So I think um, if we're in that hard spot, we're never really going to see around it anyway. So we need people around us to help, help us <laughs> support yeah. each other, right. In this experience yeah. Yeah. of life. And yeah. so, yeah, so it's really interesting because, um, when I started leading, I thought it was about, you know, tasks and lists and checkboxes. <laughs> and it's all about people and psychology and being and versus yeah. doing. And it's just such a different experience than I thought it was going to be from when I first started, but I love it. I love what it's evolved to uh, for me. And that's yeah. part of that happiness, right? Yeah. That's part of that experience of it. So yeah, I think that's really cool. What do you think, um, what do you think happens here after COVID? What's your sense of what hospitality looks like in a new normal? Do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's going to, and I don't know if it's wishful thinking, but I truly believe the industry is going to flourish even more because we've been hit hard and this is not to, you know, diminish everyone else's experience but the restaurant industry I think we've earned the right to say that we have been so resilient so I think people have seen it and that's why people you know keep ordering takeout or you know just supporting local when when you think of OJ's most people or many people might think okay huge chain you know big restaurant that's not the case you know the owner the owners are local people the staff is local people we're all struggling together and most of the regulars have seen that and they're still supporting local they're still brooding for us so I think yeah it's gonna it, it's gonna I think it's gonna experience a lot of demand mm -hmm. and I'm excited for it I'm all for it yeah yeah, me too. We might see some shift, I think, in team. I think that that's possible, but I'm hoping my fingers are crossed that we don't because I think we have amazing people. But um, yeah, that's what I keep thinking might be the possibility. But I think the communities are going to respond crazily. Overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if we can get patios open and indoors open this summer, it's yeah. going <laughs> to, you're going to need lots of staff. That's okay. <laughs> okay you know what it's way better than what we were facing right like I take that yes. day of the week yes. over what happened last year so yes. yeah I think I think it's um I think we're kind of getting there now too like I'm always kind of hesitant to say that but I have this hopefulness that we're coming through it as people start to get vaccinated and you see what's happening in the U.S. right they're really turning yeah. around yeah so yeah, they're sure the evidence of it is seems, seems, seems out. So, <clears throat> so that's a really good thing to see. Um, so obviously, I mean, you all know this, but you know, all of this, but I'll share this a little bit for the listeners, but at original Joe's, um, we have a set of values in the organization. Um, and it's all based around this acronym of hearts. And so it's all about heart for us as leaders and, and as team, um, and one of the things we talk about is taking care of people. And one of the kind of cool ideas that spun out of that, um, maybe, oh gosh, I don't know, I was, hey, a while ago, seven, eight years ago, was this idea of people make the world beautiful. And you worked at Ellerslie for a very long time with Sarah Lou. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, she loved this. She's all about people make the world beautiful and like always looking for ways to uh, make people's days and lives and do like really cool things. But I was wondering if there was a people make the world beautiful that story that you'd like to share with the listeners today, if you had one that you'd experienced. Uh, yeah, actually firsthand. And I don't want this to be like a sob story. So uh, when I was pregnant with Aria, when she was a newborn, I am a hundred percent positive that I wouldn't have made it to where I am right now. If it wasn't because of the gener uh, generosity that 
all the OJ scene show me, you know, we are not related whatsoever. I, they didn't owe me any favors. A lot of people just basically opened up their doors for me. And I, we went from sleeping in shelters to now I own my house. You know, I don't experience food or financial insecurity. And that's because so many people gave me the chance and like I said, through no obligation whatsoever, they didn't have to do it. And they have shown me patience and they've showed me love and it's all coming for a full circle now when Arya's almost eight and she is making forts with Jordi in the restaurant now that it's closed. She's asking me, hey, how are Auntie Sarah's puppies? And she wants to go see her when they open the patios again. And like, this is my family now, you know, my family is, is away there in Mexico, but this is, this is my Canadian family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I'm so grateful. And I, I know I haven't repaid them in the ways that I, they, that, that they probably deserve and that that's on me, but uh, yeah, I've, I've always keep in mind that whatever is happening in my life right now wouldn't, would have not been possible without their help there's just no way I would have had to go back to Mexico probably wow yeah yeah oh that's crazy I didn't realize it was so hard for you when Aria came yeah oh I'm sorry that's really tough I think um that's beautiful that people were there for you like that yeah 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 and you know what uh as you're talking about paying them back it's not about paying people back People do kind things for other people because they love them. It's not, a, it's not yeah, they're not looking for yeah. anything. So don't feel bad about that. They just love mm -hmm. you. The way they helped you, they did that because they cared. And so that, and I think that's actually kind of cool because you're holding that gratitude in your heart every day. Yeah. Like how beautiful. So that's how you're paying them back. Like really yeah. in my yeah. mind. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And one day you'll find something, you'll find somebody who needs a hand, right? Yeah. And you'll be able to help them too. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. And you know, yeah. like, I don't really know Aria, but everybody just talks about what a beautiful young girl she is <laughs> and how she's yeah. just like blossoming into this, like beautiful, yeah. everybody loves her. I just get all these stories. Like Jordy told me the fort story the other day. And yeah. So <laughs> and yeah. So I think that that's so cool that it's like, it's a really good story in the end too, right? Even though it was yeah. really hard to have her in the beginning. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a happy story for sure. It's a hundred percent a happy story. And I think the best part now is that we are so involved with OJs now that I can a hundred percent warranty that Arya's first job is going to be within an OJs. And, you know, whenever I take her to work, I'm like, hey, do you want to make some money? You got to portion some caramel and some chocolate. And she's like, okay. So, yeah. And, and she just loves it. She she wants to eat there all the time. She's super sad that we cannot have lunch there. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's super cute. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's an awesome people make the world beautiful story. Um, I think, you know, like sometimes I don't think, and it's interesting the people you're talking about this and the people who helped you, they probably don't even realize how much they affected your life too. Cause sometimes we just do these things almost like, it's just like, cause we care, we just go do it. And then you just kind of forget about it. Right. So I think it's really cool that you brought it up today because when people listen to that, they'll remember and they'll yeah. connect their hearts to those moments. Yeah, so. sure. They yeah. impact you. You really don't know how much impact you're going to make, but by just doing one act of kindness, not even thinking about it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's so cool. And you see so much of that in in our company, right? Everybody's yes. always like looking to help each other. And it's just, yeah, I feel like I'm often in tears. When I get the good news stories and stuff and see you. And so I'll get them all the night before. Yeah. I'm like, just put them all in the slideshow sitting there crying and at dinner. And Chris is like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, this is such a good story. <laughs> so, you know, I get a lot of it too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, every time I do one of these, I like to do a lightning round, which is three really quick fire questions, which you don't get to know. 
Okay. <laughs> I gave you like, I gave you like the monkey covering advice face, you know, yes. Yes. <laughs> they're pretty chill. So you're just supposed to answer them from your heart okay. and just whatever comes to mind for you. So the first thing I'm curious of, um, because I, and you know, it's interesting. I wrote this and that you kind of alluded to it at the start, um, was, uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And now let me preface that a little bit too, because then you said your dad wanted you to be a lawyer, your mom was a doctor. I'm really curious what your childhood dream was. I think my childhood dream when I was very little, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Oh, that's super yes. cool. Yes. Dinos. Yes, really into dinosaurs. <laughs> and I think that I remember wanting that so badly. And then within a year, I was like, so over dinosaurs. So I, I don't know what, what, what was that about. But yeah, I really wanted to be a paleontologist. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be quite the life, hey, just excavating yes. all day. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be a little lonely, though, I think. I think it would get. Yeah. It's yeah. not quite like Indiana Jones makes it out to be. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my second question is, what's your hope for Arya in her lifetime? I just want her to be happy. And I know we've talked a, a little bit about happiness uh, before. I don't expect her to be and the key word here is expect, you know, if she ends up being great, but I don't expect her to be, you know, this bubbly person who is laughing all the time, but I want her to know that no matter what adversities she, she faces, she is still enough. And I know that I've, I've talked a lot about being enough, but I think we, don't realize how important it is and how much value we should place in our worth, you know, especially now with social media and all these messages bombarding us. It's vital, mm -hmm. extremely vital, literally, to know we are worth it, you know? And I think most of the kindness that we express is based on our opinion of ourselves. So I just want her to love herself. I want her to travel a lot, travel, travel, travel. Go, go away, don't worry about me, be, be happy, <laughs> just have fun, be safe. Yeah. Shoot me a text here and there. Yeah. Let me know that you, you're alive, you know? Yeah. And if you get in trouble, doesn't matter, come to me, no questions asked. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's what I want from her. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. And then my last question is, what are you grateful for today? Oh, I, and this is an easy one. I am grateful that regardless of what's happening all around the world, that we are safe, that, and this is going to sound super selfish, but I, I, I'm grateful that I haven't experienced any losses due to COVID, you know, my family members are, are okay. My, my friends are fine. I still have a roof over my head. I still have a job. Yeah. You know, I have my respiratory system is okay. And even though, yeah, it's isolating and it's, it's harsh at times. I, I think my mental health is, it's okay. You know, I, it's normal to experience some, you know, bouts of depression and kind of like defeating thoughts. And I think that's normal, especially now, but yeah, I'm just grateful that life hasn't been altered as much as it has been for, for pretty much the rest of the world. We are in such a good place. You know, when you look at India, Brazil, those poor people, you know, and I'm sitting here in my living room doing a podcast, how privileged, how lucky I am. So, yeah. 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 I agree. I've thought that a lot this year too. And I'm like, you know, I, we're, we're, I think we're all welcome to feel however we feel and we're allowed to feel how we feel, but there's a perspective for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I remember back at the very start of COVID, it was Italy and it was just completely breaking my heart. And I was, 
Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I pray to God this never happens to us, you know, like, and so we have been very blessed to live in this country and have this space, right? So we're not so close and yeah, I've been able to control this virus. So yeah, I'm with you for sure. So in closing, uh, are there some thoughts from as that you would like to share with the listeners? Is there some thoughts on life or some reflections from the podcast to wrap it up? You'd like to share. I just, I feel like I want to commend all of us because even though it doesn't feel like we are making it, we are, we've, we've made it through a basically a year in hell we have pivoted so many times we're getting like whiplash and we're doing it and yes some days are harder than the others but i think one of the advantages of close of working for ojs is that we are so tight knit together there's always going to be someone to kind of like fall back onto you know and if I think if we're feeling in a certain way, there's chances that the guy next to us also feels that way. So we can always talk to each other and we deserve a pat in the back, even though we're giving it ourselves. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It has been an incredible year. (laughs) I never would have thought in my entire career, we would have saw something like this. And Yeah, you and everybody in this organization and in hospitality in general have been incredible, incredible rock stars. So yeah, it's uh, it's been very heartwarming to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember... The world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. Until next week, take care, everyone, and we'll see you then.